Welcome back to BNBFC. I'm Brett. Across from me is Brian. Today we're going to discuss the past weekend fixtures. Arsenal absolutely hammer the hammers. And United come up with a what I think is an upset win against Austin Villa. We'll look ahead to uh, next week's fixtures with uh, Burnley and Arsenal, Luton and Manchester United. And then as always, we got some stoppage types questions. So... Let's talk about Arsenal for a second. What a magnificent, dominant performance. This is interesting because not a couple of Arsenal games ago, you're talking about the scoreline didn't necessarily reflect the the value. Like they, they won by a significant margin. Who was that against? This like four 0 maybe? And you kinda of, and your take was that okay, they played good, but maybe the scoreline flattered them a little yeah. bit. Not the case here. Well, I, I don't think it flattered like I think Arsenal dominated No, I mean like the, us. the one yeah, no, no. I I felt like I felt like the like, whatever good value for six nil. Oh, it was great. But like, if you'd have to, you I know you didn't watch the game or whatever. But like the <clears throat> like Arsenal dominated set pieces. They got two set piece goals. They dominated possession. I think um, I think West Ham registered zero in the second half. They registered zero shots on target and only three attempts. So it was a very much a stifling. Arsenal had an expected a, a expected goals value of, I think it was three point five, and they scored six. So it's it's just one of the cases where Arsenal in the past have had a lot of high expected goals and no return rate. You know they would be like expected goals of three and they'd get one goal, right? Or you'd the times where the expected goals they had some lucky goals go in or. You know, I thought they were pretty fortunate to get a couple of goals. Today, it was every goal, in my opinion, was earned. Maybe it was a soft penalty, but penalty was taken well, and every goal looked good. And every player on the pitch for Arsenal looked like they were putting in a shift. Nobody was, <clears throat> nobody looked like a passenger. So Havertz looked good. Um, ben White looked really good. Saliba and Gabrielle. I'm gonna. I'm said it before. I'll say it again. Are, yeah, the, that, are that, they're that the kind best of West Ham performance would make Harry Maguire look good? No, no, no. But no, no, no. West Ham. This isn't like a low tier West Ham, you know. But the European champions, and they're hard to break down. So um, it's one of those things where, like breaking West West Ham played like crap too. But you you have to say that Arsenal really really played well. But Saliba and Gabrielle are probably the best. Yeah, the best duo, the best defensive duo in the Premier League. I would think that. If you look at Arsenal's defensive record right now, I, they're first in all defensive categories. So they they have the number one goals against average. They have the second highest shots against um, average. Um, lowest conceded, um, what's it called? One of the highest aerial defensive aerial duels one things like that. like they're doing all the right things defensively so um where arsenal is really flatlining a lot of these games where you're great defensively but you're winning one nil when you should be winning three nil so it was good to see a performance that wasn't against a it looked very orchestrated and there was no fluky goal uh like the one at liverpool so comprehensive and Arteta looked like in his tactics. You saw what how 
Arsenal was trying to expose West Ham and it worked very, very well. So I love it. And I think I deserve it. <laughs> I think this was good for Arsenal because now you look at the table. If goal difference is going to mean anything at the end of the year, and Arsenal, you know, getting, let's say they, they're in first place and went on goal difference, you, uh, I think that's yeah. a low case scenario for, for a variety of yeah. reasons. But you will go back and look at this game and think that was the decider. You could have, you could have kind of, you know, just kept the foot a little bit on the gas and won like 3 0. Yeah. Well, it's supposed to go after it. And now I think Liverpool, City, and Arsenal are all within one or two goals in goal difference. Yeah. Liverpool's two ahead. Uh, City and Arsenal are level, but um, City have a game in hand. So the one thing about it that I found, and we talked about this before, but we always talked about how, I mean, Arsenal have brought the title race to being a title race. We don't know. They're probably third favorites at this point, but. Um, it is a title race with the goal difference and the, the points available right now. But we did talk about how like Arsenal doesn't really have these wins like City and Liverpool do where they go to a weaker team and they absolutely destroy them. Like you'll see, you know, City and Liverpool have both had performances where, you know, they're winning 7-2, you know, against a rival or... 8-2. Oh, sorry, 8-2, that's right. Or you'll have City come in and they, you know, they win 5-0 or well, something I was, like that. I was that. referring to the United yeah. game against... Oh, okay. No, I know you're... I, I was referring to that too. Okay. But Arsenal, you don't really see those games where they're going and obviously uh, beating United, I think, is a bitter, big, bigger uh, accomplishment that Liverpool did. However, Arsenal didn't really... They weren't beating, say, Luton, but they almost lost to Luton this year, I think. So it's, it's just good to see that, you know, when we are the better team, we're showing why we're the better team and killing off games. So that's good to see. Saka, right. a couple goals. Yeah. Well, Saka looked, he was, he, he played the highest up I mean, the pitch. He scored, scored against Liverpool on that one. But other, like it hasn't been, he hasn't really turned it on. And you know, what's crazy year. about that is he has, he has, um, how many games have been played? Like 20. Well, I, is it 20, 23? he's healthy. Cause Saka plays everyone. Yeah, he does. Kind of needs to rest him. It doesn't. Yeah. So Saka hasn't been playing well, but he's actually, I think he's at 16 points. So close to a point per game, but and he hasn't been playing well in my opinion. So it's um, it's a good sign from them. I want to just say this. I have to bring this to light. You got to shake my hand. You're right. You're just a brilliant man. I just have to say this. What did I, what? Well, I just, do you know that we have a player, there's only, I think, two other players that we have that are, a goal a game underneath a uh, hundred minutes, like or sorry, a goal underneath a hundred minutes. There's three at Arsenal's history well, or whatever. We're gonna talk about Trossard. We're gonna talk about Trossard. Where the frick is Mudrik? I'm telling you, what a signing Trossard is for what forty million? It was less than oh, that. Oh, sorry, twenty-seven. Sorry, I sometimes I get confused with whether they're talking about euros or whether they're talking about pounds. But anyways, what a signing comparatively like such an impact player and he's actually quite comfortable coming off the bench like he's fairly like yeah know what um if i come on 65 minutes what a beautiful good, good players in attacking positions that are happy to come off the bench oh I, like you know if, yeah. we had, if, we, if i was a good editor of this stuff i'd pull up a, a podcast from about a year and a bit ago <laughs> where brat was almost tried to wipe the tears off the microphone 
Oh. Mujic had gone by, and I was saying, no, no, Trossard's a good signing. <laughs> Premier League proven. Yeah. And you know what the thing about it is? Like, he, he has such an impact. He started this last game, but he just, he can be a false nine. He can be on the wing, you know, and he and he wants to take on shots. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. But I just have to add this point. West Ham fans, I don't know if we have any West Ham fans that watch this show, but I'm just... We hardly have any fans. I know, but show. still, I'm telling you, West Ham pisses me off because they have... They have a bunch of Arsenal hatred going on because I don't know if they feel like because they won the Conference League, um, because they won the Conference League that Declan Rice should have stayed with them or whatever, you know. And Rice told them from the beginning of the season he's going to move on the final year. It wasn't like he said that after he was just a complete professional, said it openly, went on and won a title with them, and absolutely or won a cup with them. And absolutely, you know, put in the effort, you know, you know, pretty much played out, he played his heart out until he wasn't a West Ham player anymore. And you have West Ham fans that boo him like he's a traitor. And it's just one of those things like, how freaking dare you? And thank God, I was so happy. Because when Rice turns it over at West Ham, they just mock him. And every time he touches the ball, they boo. Well, he hit an absolute banger into their net. And then it didn't celebrate. He's the bigger, bigger person anyways. It's it's just one of those things that, and I'm not even going to chat shit where I say, oh, well, he wanted to move to a, a bigger club. And of course, he's going to leave a small club because West Ham's, West Ham's a big club. Sure as hell bigger than Everton. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But it's just one of the things with West Ham where they, I think they're a, a club with some heritage. Yeah. And I, like, I like West Ham. It's, and, not, it's, it's about... It's, him leaving West Ham is more about how good he is as a player versus yeah. how uh, whatever yeah. how big a club. Because West Ham, yeah, West Ham's going to draw a new stadium. Yeah, and so it's just one of those things that I felt bad for Rice because I felt like he left uh, he left on all the all the right terms or all the right ways he left, and they still boot him. And it's just like, you know, this isn't the case of Van of Van Persie. This is in the case of like an Ashley Cole. Who else has done this to us? Um, this isn't the case of Alexis Sanchez. Um, it's just, I don't know. I just feel like they're so harsh on him. Boo him for the sake of booing him. So, But once again, complete performance, statement win. And I'm excited for the next game when they play anti-football club that actually tries to play football now. So we'll see how they do. Let's move on to the United game. Did you get a chance to see this at all? Yeah. So, this is Ten Hag's, I think, first away win in a year and a half or so, or more than a year and a half against the team, you know, top half or top six away. Did they deserve it? Probably not. Did they play great? I don't think so. Anytime you really see a case where your goalkeeper, I think, is the player of the game for you, it's 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 not ideal. Um, Hoyland's scoring now, so so that's good. I think six and seven or something like that at this point. You know what? So I just so want to jump. Looking more confident. Garnacho is looks like I thought Garnacho is kind of an impact bench player. You can yeah. inject some pace a little bit, inject a bit of energy, but showing that he has a bit of quality. I just want to say this, just to jump into your point, but. Hoyland's scoring goals that I didn't think he would be like he would be primarily scoring. Like they're very like This is a poacher's goal. Well, it seems like a lot of his goals have been poaching poaching lately, which is a great sign because 
you know the other part of his games there. The other thing too is the um with Garnacho, I find he he tries too hard to be the man. Sometimes like I feel like you can tell kind of like a Rashford dynamic where you just know he's gonna shoot this yeah. ball. I mean, it's hypocritical of me when I play FIFA because there's times where Brian just knows nobody else exists in this moment. So but besides that, you can carry on with your analysis. Yeah. Villa probably just about here's the thing, I think this is somewhere in between United stealing it and a deserved draw, if that makes sense in terms of two two. And you look at the stats, Villa put in some good good shots, good performances. I think there's there's really only one instance there where I think Onana like I think Onana was solid with one absolutely brilliant save. Like I think it I think really it, I, I think like any any good keeper should have probably kept everything but that one out. Yeah. That's why I think it's probably a 2-2 type of scoreline. I think Onana saved one one goal for them. Both teams had some had some decent chances. Missed Garnacho had a couple, missed wide. Um, and then cometh the hour. The big headed Scotsman, Scott McTominay, <laughs> with the header. Coming up as a knack for these kind of late game goals. I think he's got the most Premier League goals for United this year. Well, here's the thing. I I would like a calculator out, some type of metric. We should look into this. But I wonder how many game winning goal type of situations. Like I want to know what how many points McTominay not goals because the goals that he gets are point winners. Like I wonder how many point like two points McTominay has earned United that they probably should only got one, one, you know, how many two extra points have they gotten from these games? And I just have to jump in here and get going on this because it's just one of those things that irks me is Brian here for like, um, like I can't even remember how long, like I don't even know what manager, I think this was before Solskjaer. Oh, Mourinho. Yeah, it was during Marina where like, I'm always like, I always had players at my club that I love that make me. And Brian would always say like, you know, like I envy you, Brett, a little bit because, like, you can see, like, the, you know, how happy you get for certain players and stuff like that. And it helps, makes it easier being a fan to celebrate with some of them. Brian had lost, he was transitioning from all the players that he used to love are gone and trying to find a new one. And then he found, you know, he's like, I kind of like this McTominay guy. You know, he reminds me a lot of the older United, like, you know, plays for the Crest and stuff like that. And then, you know, United went through the McTominay Fred era. And a lot of people had mistaken McTominay as being the biggest problem. And and it's one of those things where he's like, he's not a footballer. They would say he has no quality and things like that. And it very much turns out that he wasn't playing. They were trying to make him play as a, as a CDM almost, or just a, just a regular CM. But when you see McTominay now played in more advancing roles, you know, kind of sneak almost exactly how Xhaka was played before he left to Leverkusen where, you know, he's center mid, but like he has the license to go forward and he's almost excelling in that. And you still have a lot of people that are McTominay out or he's not good enough for United. Brian's always been, you know, realistic about where United is almost more pessimistic, but this guy is the first uh, McTominay besides his family, McTominay (laughs) fan, like McTominay's family liked him more, but, Brian's been there since almost day one with McTominay. I don't even think of pundits. I don't think yeah, there's no. a lot, lot the positive that was that I think there's always people said he put in the effort. Yeah, but, but he'll, I think you're seeing 
I would love to see almost like a Casemiro, Manu, and McTominay as the 10, oh. and oust Bruno. Yeah. I, I just, McTominay can come back, and, you know, if you need him to defend, he's he's good to have in the box for defending a corner, things like that. He's tall, really athletic, yeah. physical. Somebody put online, I don't know if it was a Sky Sports page or the Transfer News page or whatever, one of those stupid Facebook accounts, but they put out a ranking for the best midfielders in the Premier League right now, and Bruno was number two. It's just idiotic. Is my, my last thought on the on the McTominay thing, glad he's scoring. I hate to see the bandwagoners come out. because They don't deserve it. They don't. I can't stand when fans or whoever it may be hates, 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 hates. The player starts performing. We like him. Like, you know, one performance or even several performances shouldn't dictate how you evaluate a player. I think that's stupid as a pundit and even more stupid as a coach. Well, if you're not if you're not supporting him when he's down or when he's developing, you do not deserve to, you know, support him when he's when he's up. So telling you, it reminds me of the Lacazette thing. I was Lacazette all the way and people he couldn't do it. And then he goes and ties Mbappe in the French league and he's playing for a shit team. So it's just one. I, it's a beautiful thing, Brian. But as far as the performance, Austin Villa looked really good. And I, I think you're right that they probably deserved a draw, but um, I don't know what's going on with Austin Villa is they seem to, you know, have great moments and then they, you know, have these weird things. Emmy Martin has <laughs> gave away a corner because he caught the ball out of bounds. <laughs> like, I don't, so, but it is funny when you mentioned the Onana thing, a lot of people were like, including myself that were like, oh, he played. And here's the thing, like, uh, going back to that, I'm not pro Onana yet. You can yeah. grow on me, I think, after a while, like, to, to see that, but he wasn't my, my favorite, especially some of those high-profile errors that were coming in, so yeah. the jury's still out for me. I'm not saying he's going to be one of my boys. I can appreciate him as a player without being a bandwagoner when he puts in a yeah. good performance. But I'm not jumping all over him saying this this guy's the yeah. best keeper in the league. Yeah, I find here, like, you can turn around and change your mind about a player. Like, that's fine. But it's, like, it's the people, like, the bandwagoners the are... people not, that say, oh, I've supported you. Yeah, for- yeah. It's the ones that, like, aren't... Like, I'm sure if Onana, you know, started playing unbelievable all the time, like, I... I Brian would probably be like, "Oh yeah, I, I really like Onana. He's one of my, he's one of my favorites. Maybe not like you know one of his very very favorites, but you you, you could appreciate him. But I don't think Brian would ever it would ever you know lie and say that he wasn't a critic of Onana and stuff like that. And you haven't really went after him some of the way that these people have gone after McTominay. You just kind of like he's not good enough, which is a fair assessment. But I what I was mentioning about Onana is lots of people were like, "Oh, he played unbelievable." But I, I like your point what you brought up because it's like. He was just solid. He did what he was supposed to do. He made an unbelievable save, but he did what he was supposed to do. You would say, like, people are saying, oh, this was a 10 out of 10 performance, but really, it was probably an 8 out of 10. That's like a 7, yeah. seven and a half plus a boost for one really. Yeah. I think my rule of thumb is when you make a, when you've been solid, it's a 7. Like, I think 5 is just average. Nothing's really happened. 7 is like, you've had to make some good saves that you should make, but, you you know, they're, they're difficult saves, not super hard, but you need to be there. When you make an unbelievable save the way that he did, I think it just bumps it up 
a little bit more. So that's where I would, because I, I thought he had no right on that one goal. And I think that would be an eight for me. It was a, like, I, I watched the game and I'm not, the, but I was, you know, doing that high pitch. Oh, you know, so I thought it was great. But once again, United are getting performances that are performances that are, you know, five out of 10, six out of tens, and they're getting results right now, which is, you know, saving Ten Hag's job for the moment. There's a, there's a good and a bad side to that because you look at that and say, you're getting wins right now. If a few more guys step up, it should be good. But also you're thinking, we can't count on one or two guys to play unbelievable every game if everyone else is going to play like crap and still yeah. get results. So it's, it's a double-edged sword there. Yeah. Well, let's get into the, uh, the next week's fixtures. You got Burnley versus Arsenal. This... Burnley have been such a disappointment. I, this is the this is one of the picks that we we kind of have nightmares about when we did our yeah preseason true. predictions because we were both the Burnley stormed through the championship. Has Vincent Company got sacked yet? I don't think no, so. no, no, no. I think they're. I think they're. A, a lot of people think that this is going to be good, like the way that he's keeping on their philosophy. That yeah, they'll probably go back down but you can see them coming back and they'll probably be even better when they come back. So it's one of those things but that... Does this lead to... This is a fundamental question in terms of the Premier League. Do you... When you go... Because when you get the championship of the Premier League, you can go to being the best team in your league to one of the bottom three, yeah. five, whatever, in terms... And do you... Can you still... Because we saw Leeds maybe kind of embrace the philosophy that works well in the championship... It worked for a bit in the Premier League, and then they crashed and burned, I think, in year two, year yeah. three. And then Burnley here, we're seeing them to try and play how they did in the championship against much higher quality teams. So I don't know what to think, but you see both sides. of it. Some teams kind of come into the Premier League and they try and play more pragmatically, kind of look, kind of play, you know, knowing that they're not probably on paper, they're going to be the worst team most of their games. But and other I, people try and establish the same identity that they had in the championship. Well, I think Leeds is a different because Leeds had no defensive identity. It was all attack, and I don't think that's sustainable. Whereas Burnley, they're leaking a lot of defensive goals, but they're not. I don't think it's the same level of attack. Like, I think company wants a defensive system. Still a very forward-minded Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I think if you look at all the pragmatic teams that come up from the championship, like, is your goal to stay in the Premier League or is your goal to stay in the Premier League and one day thrive? Because all the pragmatic teams, it's almost like they're celebrating just being in the Premier League at the bottom. But it's, it's the fundamental, I don't know if you're yeah. from a coaching philosophy yeah. that we... Because a lot of people think, with. like, if, if you look at, you know, some teams that have come up that are mainstays, you know, what was Wolves' approach? You know, we have to look at those teams and, you know, they're struggling right now, but they were they were coming up and, you know, they don't have the same type of funds. But I think, I think if you treat it like a project manager where, you know, you learn from that experience in the Premier League, and if you, even if you go down, you kind of tweak it when you, you know, you have your um, offensively minded stuff, but when you go back down to the championship, you're trying in training and even in games, work out that defensive structure, maybe build on the def the defense in your team, and then you come back up, you should be that much better. Um, you've seen that with Fulham, actually. They were a yo-yo team, kept with the same identity, kept trying their thing. They weren't overly pragmatic, and now they're a mainstay, and they're almost at the high mid-card sometimes. So, I think there's examples of both. 
like Wolves seeing Wolves is a more pragmatic team now. Yeah. Under Nuno there. But Nuno was always fairly pregnant. So like I guess there's success stories on both sides yeah. of things. But I think it's fundamentally like I'm up staying in the Premier League at all costs and you're like, you know, we can, you know, iron out some kinks here, but with the goal of being yeah. better two or three years from now. You're you're one of those people that as long as you won a cup, you don't care if your team got better. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I need my team to be better than where they started. But Anywho, it's it's going to be a, like, I like this in the schedule for Arsenal because it, it looks on paper, I'm not saying this will happen, but it looks on paper another game where Arsenal can kind of make ground up on their on their goal difference. So it looks like an interesting game that way. Manchester United versus Luton, tricky game. Tricky, yeah. Luton have scored. You know, four four at. Um, they have the most Newcastle. set piece. They have the most set piece uh, goals. Who did they just draw against too? Another decent. Yeah, I, I can't remember. Was it Villa? No. Well, they played really well against Arsenal. They played really well yeah. against. But as far as results, I'd have to look at them. But they have eleven set piece yeah, goals, so, yeah, which they, is they can. They're gonna put the ball in the net, and I think United aren't an overly are a bit fragile when it comes to defending set pieces. Luton's at home. It's a it's a good energy. You know, as much as you know, United might not be a the best team on paper. For if you're a Luton fan, you're circling the calendar for when Manchester United comes to town, and you're gonna you're gonna make sure you open the blinds in your apartment window if you live at the backside of the pitch, so you can see, <laughs> watch the game. So I would expect I could see this being a, a, a three-two game for United. Ooh, three-two. So. Uh, Luton's last couple of games, they just lost to Sheffield, but they drew 4-4. Against Newcastle. Against Newcastle. They beat Brighton 4-0. Oh, yeah, that's the one yeah. I was talking about. And they beat Everton 2-1 in the FA Cup. And they, I mean, they lost 3-2 uh, to Chelsea. They won 1-0 over Newcastle. Like, this, this is a team that's starting to be able to compete. But I just worry with set pieces, because they're such a good set piece team right now and i feel like united's a team that can be got at with set pieces just i just like johnny evans and mcguire as your two center backs on set like i just feel like they can be got at and so we'll see it's an interesting game i still well, think again, you can counter on a oh, set piece when you've got yeah but i i still think united has the quality and the countering tack and pro set uh prowess to be able to go and beat luton so i think I think three two is probably a fair result, but the I just I think it's more gonna be a, a, a two two or a two one. Not because that's like I just can't I just United scoring three goals just does not seem like a possibility for me. So I'll go with two one on that one. And Arsenal, I think they'll win three nothing. Yeah, I was gonna say three one probably. All right. For Burnley. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, set let's go to the stoppage time questions here. Jose Mourinho, <laughs> he has been linked with Bayern Munich's job. Thomas Tuchel losing to Leverkusen quite convincingly. His job looks a little bit in peril. Jose to to Germany looks like a looks like a decent move. What do you think, Mourinho's uh, number one fan? You know, yeah, no, yeah. Just the disclaimer: this is biased. God, this would be unbelievable. I just don't think a club of this calendar caliber is going to look at it. Uh, manager like Jose at this time, so I don't think it's going to happen. But it's beautiful to think about. It's kind of neat the narrative of oh, Bayern 
loses the title for the first time in, what is it, 12 years or something like that, potentially, and Jose comes back, gets Harry Kane. He's like, does it take Jose Mourinho for Harry? <laughs> like, what? Like, oh. he's, like, it's the unstoppable. Or, yeah. The rest is the immovable object. That's crazy. I never even thought about that. I'm speaking of that. I just love that Jack is stopping Harry Kane from winning a title. Yeah, that oh. was that was Wenger's plan all yeah. along. Yeah, it's so funny. But okay, you can read this. I'm not reading that. Frick that question. <laughs> all right. So United have thought about getting a new stadium, new ownership group, thinking of getting the Wembley, the North, they call it. So you know, a ninety, maybe even six figure stadium up in Manchester. Is it going to have the financial ramifications and the impact that the Arsenal moving the Emirates had? Surely, I hope not. <laughs> um, you know, it's one of those things where getting a stadium is always risky, but um, Old Trafford needs to be updated at least, or they need to move a stadium. I don't know what would be a cheaper option. It seems a shame to have Old Trafford be. They can't there. really upgrade because it's back straight onto a railroad track. Oh, or something. so I think but, they're going to build it in much the same area, but I don't know. It's, I, I don't think, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot more things going on with the move to the Emirates. I think it would probably be a decent time for United and United have the financial backing that I don't think it would hurt them that much. Okay, last question. Jabby Alonso doing quite well, linked with a couple of moves elsewhere. Where do you think he's going? Where's the destination you think? Liverpool's obviously on the... I think if he wins at Bayer Leverkusen, he's, he's leaving somewhere. He still could be potentially staying there who knows but i'll go with liverpool former players a stepping stone to get to real yeah. madrid in about three years after that i think real madrid right off the bat oh. that's where i think anyways that's that's it for this episode and we'll see you in the next one